Brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 143 of the CRW Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, back here with our Texas Tech Review and Reaction Edition. The Mountaineers fall in Lubbock 48-10 to in a very embarrassing performance, to say the least, to drop the Mountaineers to... Three and four on the season and one and three in Big 12 conference play thus far in 2022. I don't know where to begin with this one, really. I I think, like a lot of people, I'm a little bit out of a loss of what we saw. More specifically, what we saw from the offense. I think it had been a good to above average offense that we'd seen from West Virginia so far in 2022. And we thought going up against, you know, what had been statistically one of the conference's worst defenses that the West Virginia Mountaineers would at least be able to score some points, although we were a little bit worried about the other side and New Texas Tech may do some things offensively. I think for the most part we were all expecting possibly a shootout and for the Mountaineers to, you know, be in it until the end. But in kind of the opposite effect, West Virginia was really never in this game. I mean, they the first half, they kind of kept it close. It was 17-3 to at halftime with the Mountaineers getting the ball, and you had a little bit of hope that maybe the Mountaineers could score and make it a touchdown game, you know, a single-score game, but they ended up going three and out there, I believe. And then, of course, before the half, you had a chance to make it, you know, 17-10 or at least 17-6, and you're in the re- near the, nearing the red zone there, and you try and throw a ball up, and it gets intercepted, so you turn that over and get nothing out of that as well. And that was just kind of the story of the game for the Mountaineers in this one to me is missed opportunities. And, you know, I'll get into each side of the ball a little bit as we progress throughout the episode. I'm going to try and keep this one short and sweet because, like I said, I don't know what too much you can really say about this one. If you watch the game, you know what type of performance it was. You know the state of the of the program right now. And I'm sure you're hearing the rumblings all over the social medias, of you know, from West Virginia fans about the coaching staff and what's going to happen moving forward and what may or may not happen. And be that as it may, I'm going to try and stick to the game as much as possible. Uh, that I can hear for this uh, review and reaction to Texas Tech edition. So um, last week I started a series over on our YouTube, which appreciate you guys tuning in here on the audio side to the podcast. Uh, but I wanted to give a chance for you guys to hop over to the YouTube as well. And in order to do that, I wanted to promote something that I started last week there. And I'm gonna what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
feature it here on the podcast version. I'm going to just break the video off out of the podcast version for the YouTube side. So that way you guys that listen to the show on the audio only side can get a little preview of something that we do YouTube exclusive there on the country roads webcast YouTube channel. And then of course the YouTube side, will still get the smaller video version of the snap counts as well. So that's what I'm going to do here is, I'm going to break down the snap counts that kind of stuck out to me for the West Virginia offense and the defense in this game against Texas Tech before I get into uh, the breakdown of the West Virginia offense and the West Virginia defense in this game that they lost uh, to Texas Tech. So having said that, let's take a look at the snap counts and some interesting numbers that stood out in the game against Texas Tech. Let's start on defense. I think that that's the one probably we want to look at uh, the most closely, see who all played, because I know the Mountaineers were looking to – they had a plan anyway because they knew Texas Tech was going to run probably, you know, over 100 snaps. So they had a plan to try and rotate their guys, specifically on the defensive line and stuff, so they would only play about 50 snaps each. I know injuries maybe hampered that. Some guys probably ended up playing more snaps than what they had originally set out to. Um, of course, the man getting the most snaps on the defense is no surprise. It's Lee Koba there at the Mike linebacker spot, a guy that's had to play almost the entire year. It's It seems as if they don't really have a backup for him at this time. I don't know what's going on with Tyreek Austin Cave, the transfer from Miami. I knew he was injured, but I'd heard that he was healthy. Um, we didn't see him in this game. With the few snaps they did spell Lee Koba, it was actually we got to see Trey Lathan, the true freshman, come in there and play some. So I don't know what's going on with Tyreek Austin Cave. Still have yet to see him. Uh, really at all, and uh, no snaps for him in this game either here as I look through. So Lee Coba with the most snaps at 84, and then besides him you had Davis Mellinger playing 79 snaps at that spear po- spear position. Uh, Aubrey Burks also playing 79 sp- uh, snaps at his free safety position. And, you know, of the players that stood out on the Mountaineer defense, I think Aubrey Burks was one of them, especially from the very beginning of the game. You know, I know he didn't make the play, and could have been a different game if he did, I think. we'll get. I'll talk about that more when I talk about the defense specifically. But he had a chance at interception on the opening drive for Texas Tech and just couldn't haul it in. But I thought he's been playing well the past couple of weeks, so maybe he will continue to. Let's look at some more of the obscure snap count numbers here defensively. Uh, Caleb Coleman played two snaps and it's actually got him listed as playing at cornerback, uh, which may have happened due to the injuries West Virginia you know, was suffering there. They were really down there. And uh, Jalen Shelton also got in at cornerback, finally got to see the Juco transfer. They've been talking about him uh, getting ready to earn some snaps. He played two snaps, so both those guys playing a couple snaps there. Uh, Lance Dixon only played nine snaps in this game, did not grade out very highly, so I don't know if he was benched following those nine snaps or if he was hurt as well. I don't remember him being injured, so that's an interesting one to keep an eye out. Raleigh Collins, the true freshman for West Virginia, played 16 snaps at the spear position as well. Charles Woods, who we knew they would try and play in a limited role. We saw him early. He played 17 snaps, but unfortunately he got banged up again. Neil Brown said, I don't think it was the ankle. Not that I, he didn't spe- specify, but um, it was banged up and didn't return again. So I guess maybe more precautionary than anything if they're going to try and have him available for the latter part of this season. Asani Redwood, you know, Neil Brown mentioned in his uh, postgame press conference that playing some freshmen late, and Asani Redwood was one of those guys at defensive end getting got 30 snaps in the game, actually. So that's good to see. I know that's a guy a lot of people are excited about for the future. Um, I know Brad here is part of the CRW team has talked about him a lot and wanting to see him, and, and so hopefully we could see more of him uh, moving forward because he's a guy that has a lot of potential, I think. Um, any other standouts here on defense? Let me scroll through, see if there's anything uh, really of note. I think that's about it. Um Sean Martin only played 24 snaps, dealing with that injury. 
Uh, Torres Simmons got on the field for 19 snaps there at the end. And then uh, Mike Lockhart playing 43 snaps. So they did do a good job of swapping out the defensive line, it looks like, because you got 43 snaps for Mike Lockhart, 44 for Eddie V, 46 for Dante Stills, 48 for Taj Alston. So they did do a good job of uh, rotating the defensive line, I guess, to deal with that tempo as much as possible. But, you know, the results being what they are, don't know if that that helped any, but at least West Virginia was able to stick to their plan as far as the defensive line is concerned. I think the secondary and the linebacking core, you know, that back half of the defense is what really got them to some trouble against Texas Tech. But I think we were all kind of expecting that. But there's a look at snap counts on defense. Let me flip it over here to the offensive side. Of course, the two big standout ones are Tony Mathis only playing 24 snaps in this game and Justin Johnson only playing four snaps in this game as they were both injured. C.J. Donaldson, the primary back for West Virginia for the entire second half of this football game. Interestingly enough, they have James Gamitter listed as playing 20 snaps here on PFF. I don't think that's accurate. I don't believe James Gamitter dressed um, as, from what I can remember. I know he didn't start. Uh, Jordan White played in his position, but I don't remember seeing James Gamitter out there. I know Thomas Remack played 35 snaps here. They say at left guard. Um, very interesting. I, did, I don't remember seeing James Gamitter out there. I didn't think he dressed, don't, uh, but maybe he came in late when West Virginia was down after they lost you know, a couple linemen because you know Wyatt Milam went down. I said you went into the game without Gamitter. Um, I'd heard that he was out, so I, I don't know. I'm going to have to look look at the accuracy of that and see if, you know, PFF updates sometimes on Tuesday. Maybe they'll change that. But I don't know. It's got James Gamitter listed as playing 20 snaps. He didn't start the game. Jordan White started in a spot at left guard. And then also at left guard, Thomas Remick uh, finally got some action there playing 35 snaps. Struggled a bit, but, you know, that's expected, I think. Um, when you haven't really played and you're young, you're going to take your lumps. Uh, Preston Fox played one snap at wide receiver. We saw Garrett Green get seven snaps there late in the game. Uh, threw a nice pass to Caden Prather. Unfortunately, he couldn't haul it in there on the third down, but that was a good-looking throw. Traylon Davis at tight end playing eight snaps, and he actually made a nice reception on a little uh, play-action pass there. Cortez Brayon playing 10 snaps. Jeremiah Aaron playing 18 snaps. I'd like to see both those guys play a little few more snaps there personally. In my opinion, I think we need to rotate some of these top three receivers that we have more. I think that's why drops have been an issue. They've been playing far too much. Um, anything else here on defense? Uh, let's see. C.J. Donaldson, of course, back, like I said, main back for the majority of the second half, played 41 snaps. Wyatt Milam ends up only playing 45 snaps before going down with an injury. Hopefully he's able to recover. Mountaineers really need him to protect that blind side there at left tackle after he went down. Of course, Brandon Yates uh, took over there at that left tackle spot. Um, most snaps on um, offense, of course, the center, Zach Frazier, all 69 and then you get Jewel Clay Hubbard with 61 and JT Daniels uh, with 61 as well. Zach Frazier in there all game. So that's a look at the snap counts that kind of stood out to, to me personally in this one and just some interesting numbers as some young faces got in the game for the Mountaineers late. And we try and feature this every week. So if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast here, be sure and jump on the CRW YouTube channel. If you enjoy this, you can watch it every week in our snap count series, as well as some other YouTube exclusive series we do outside of just uh, the podcast episodes here you get on the other side, like the one you are listening to right now, which of course has the video version as well up on YouTube. And if you are tuned into that video version, which you can find on the Country Roads webcast YouTube, on the WV Sports Now YouTube, and on WVSportsNow.com, 
whichever one of those places you're tuning into it on, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button, give us that like while you're watching. That'll really help this video's performance and help future videos' performances as well. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. And if you're listening to the aforementioned audio side, you can find us on any preferred podcast platform. If you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a rating. That really helps us here at the Country Roads webcast as well. So that's just a little bit of a look at the snap counts there. I wanted to do that here on the podcast episode, um, give you guys a preview of uh, something that I do on the video side. And then, of course, you know, honestly probably needed some filler for this one because I don't know how much there is to talk about in a 48-10 to 10 loss that was pretty abysmal performances on both sides of the ball. But let's get into both sides of the, that ball now. Let's start with the Mountaineer offense because, to me, that was the biggest shocker in this one is how – disappointed I was with the offense's performance you know it's I think the worst offensive performance of the season you could definitely say only 282 total yards of offense which Texas Tech passed for 355 so they passed for more yards than West Virginia gained total and Texas Tech also ran for 239 so they almost ran for more yards than what West Virginia did total I believe I heard a stat actually that was uh, that Texas Tech's yards after catch was higher than West Virginia's total passing yards so that's just kind of the performance West Virginia had in this one offensively. Uh, we saw four turnovers from the Mountaineers. You know, going into the game, one of my keys was win the turnover battle, control the ball. West Virginia didn't really do a good job of either one of those things. Um, they went three and out multiple times in the game, you know, left, left the Texas Tech offense on the field. The Mountaineer defense couldn't get off the field, you know. And ultimately, Texas Tech ends up winning time of possession. And that's something I think you had to win in this game if you wanted to win against the Red Raiders. But Texas Tech wins that battle 33-51. to 51. The Mountaineers also only able to run for 73 yards. And that's something that we thought going into the game they'd be able to do. Texas Tech run defense had struggled this year. I think it was the ninth-rated run defense in the Big 12 coming into the game. But the Mountaineers weren't able to get anything going on the ground, really. And it's not like they didn't try. They stuck to it for most of the game. Uh, what did they have? 26 rushing attempts. So definitely, you know, it's not like they weren't going after it, but only ended up averaging 2.8 yards a carry. Like I said, 73 yards rushing. So not the best day running the football. I think when it came down to it late, um, like I said, CJ Donaldson had to take every snap in the second half because uh, J- Tony Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson both went down with injury. And, you know, CJ Donaldson, someone we've heard about his conditioning possibly an issue and why he hasn't played as much. So I think he was probably w- really worn down late in the game. And I think that's one of the reasons he had the fumble that he did. He lost a fumble late in that game as well. I think that that could be accounted to that as well. He finished with 12 carries, 33 yards. Tony Mathis, seven carries, 33 yards. Justin Johnson, three carries, 14 yards when he was in there as far as the Mountaineer run game. So, you know, especially a week after they performed well against, you know, the Big 12's top run defense, we thought that was something we would be able to rely on all season, regardless probably, because we didn't think we'd see a better run defense than Baylor. Still argue that we probably won't, but for whatever reason, they couldn't get it done against Texas Tech. I don't know if Texas Tech knew West Virginia's plays really well and was prepared and watched, you know, did a great job on film. Uh, but whatever it may be, you know, Texas Tech does have some pretty good defensive linemen, but whatever it may be, the Mountaineers were not able to run the football. And the Mountaineers, you know, were not able to pass the football either when you flip it over to the other side. And speaking of those Texas Tech defensive linemen, number 19, Tyree Wilson, I think is a big part of that. They were comparing him to Miles Garrett on the TV broadcast. He was standing out during the game. But my problem is I think the Mountaineers were scared of him. It seemed like they were – Fearing, I don't know, fearing him specifically or fearing the TTU pass rush, 
But whatever it was, they did not really throw the ball downfield in this game. You know, we saw them do it a little bit out of desperation when they needed too late, you know, when the Bryce Ford Wheaton touchdown got, and a couple pass interference plays, you know, the one Sam James had that they overturned the review on, which I don't agree on, and they tried a shot to Reese Smith, which not the best decision in my opinion as far as who you should be targeting on that play to end the half. But for the most part, it was a lot of sideways stuff for the Mountaineers, which typically you do when a team has a really strong pass rusher, they're really strong in the middle, and you don't feel like you'll have time to let these downfield passing routes develop. But I know they have Tyree Wilson, but I didn't think Texas Tech had shown that they were so great at the pass rush. That was our game plan going into this one. And I know a lot of people talk have been talking bad about the tunnel screens because of that, but in my opinion, the tunnel screens have not been that bad of a play for West Virginia this season. Even in this game, yeah, Texas Tech shut down a lot of them because I think after a point they knew they were coming. But, I mean, you know, we saw Sam James have a big catch on one. And throughout the season, you know, we saw Bryce Ford Wheaton have a touchdown on one and stuff. So I think it's something we need to incorporate into the offense. Don't go away from it completely like everyone is wanting West Virginia to do. And I think that's just because in this game it was not successful minus the one to Sam James. So I think that's where everyone's kind of harping on the tunnel screen. but. We need to incorporate it sparingly. I think for me, the big issue is not how many screens we threw. I'm fine with incorporating screens when we need to, especially when we were struggling to run the football. you got to have some extension of that run game. To me, I think I just want to see more downfield throws. That's what my one issue has been, you know, in this game with the offense and kind of throughout the season. And really, if you want to look at it, it's kind of – if you – it kind of shows throughout the Neil Brown era, I guess you could say, really. The one thing for me during the Neil Brown era that I've now, you know, came to realize, I guess, in the fourth year specifically, because, I, you know, over the first three years it was this way, but getting Graham Harrell, we thought it would be more high-flying and stuff, is the West Virginia offense is just not, like, exciting, not explosive. It's a, it's a little bit of a dual product in the Neil Brown era, like, to watch. Even when they're successful, you know, it's these long, methodical drives. We don't have very many explosive big chunk plays to guys that are wide open. I mean, you could probably count on one hand, at very least on two hands, how many of the times that's happened in four years. And that used to happen, you know, multiple times in a game for West Virginia throughout, you know, the history, you know, go back to the Rich Rod days and then, you know, to the Stu days and then to the Holgerson days. That was one thing West Virginia always had. That was kind of their claim to fame was exciting, high-flying offense. And that hasn't been the case in the Neil Brown era. And I think a lot of people were excited when we got Graham Harrell because we thought we were going back to that. You know, I've seen some people say, this offense doesn't really look like a Graham Harrell offense, people that have watched Graham Harrell in the past. And I, I tend to agree with them a little bit. I think, you know, Neil Brown said he was going to let Graham Harrell have full autonomy, and maybe he does as far as play calls. But I certainly believe that Neil Brown had a hand in, you know, shaping the way this offense was going to perform. And, you know, they're not going to open it up, you know, because I would love to see JT Daniels and us running, you know, the type of offense we ran under Dana, the type of offense we just saw Texas Tech ran that high tempo, you know, high flying offense. But we we don't we haven't seen that from West Virginia in the Neil Brown era. And I think that's just kind of his style to play a little bit more slow, grinded out, balanced offense, complimentary type of football. And in this year, I can't really blame him. I think, you know, Maybe they had the plan to be that high-flying offense, but when they saw the West Virginia defense that they had, they didn't have a choice but to be more methodical because they have to try and play more complimentary football with as bad as West Virginia's defense is. They've got to try and slow the game down and play a different way. So maybe that plays a part this year, but I think that's the one thing over these four years that has really been missing to me when we're talking offense is just the excitement of it. You know, it's not really that exciting to watch for the most part, even – you know, I heard someone talk about us leading a stat of being one of the most – having the most contested catches in the nation, and that's great. 
But I think also that shows that our receivers haven't really got separation a lot. They're having to make contested catches. You know, these other teams are having throwing to wide open windows and stuff. And we always have seemed to have really tight windows in the Neil Brown era. You know, not just this year. I think that goes across four years. And I don't know if that's just the way the offense is designed or what that is attributed to. But um, that's definitely the case for the Mountaineer offense. And, you know, in this one, they really struggled offensively, which I think was the most disappointing thing and the most surprising thing for Mountaineer Nation. We saw JT Daniels have his worst game yet as a Mountaineer. He threw three interceptions, um, one of which may have not been his fault, but the other two pretty much were. Just a really bad day for him. 194 yards. They threw the ball 23 times. I mean, threw the ball 36 times, completed 23 of them, only 194 yards. So you can see there how the ball wasn't going downfield. Only 5.4 yards average per completion there. Did have the one touchdown to Bryce Ford Wheaton. Receiving-wise, Bryce Ford Wheaton led it five for 53 and a touchdown. Jeremiah Aaron with three for 45. Sam James with six for 44. Caden Prather with four for 30. So those were kind of the standouts there in the passing game. But the worst performance we've seen from the Mountaineer passing game this season in a game where the offense really struggled. So that's kind of just a little bit of a breakdown on the offense on my part. And, you know, to wrap it up, and I mentioned the running back issue, C.J. Donaldson having to take a bunch of snaps in the second half. You know, talking about the play, talking about that as far as why – because this is kind of a question I have. We we travel four quarterbacks on the on the traveling roster for away games because, you know, away games you can't have as many as you do for home games. I think you can only travel 75, I believe is the number, in the Big 12. But for some reason, and I don't know why it is, West Virginia travels four quarterbacks. You're not going to need all four of those quarterbacks. You know, you might need three. But West Virginia only brought three running backs. I think you should have brought Jalen Anderson or Marquand Rucker, if not both, why not travel four running backs and three quarterbacks? Especially, you know, you run into something like this, and especially now with two of them potentially banged up, I think you have to. Because the second half, West Virginia, you know, maybe C.J. Donaldson doesn't fumble if he has someone to spell him. I'm not saying that for sure. He could have anyway, but I definitely think he was tired. And I definitely think that you probably have more like, there's definitely a more likely possibility that you'll need a fourth running back than you'll need a fourth quarterback. It's just my opinion, just something and then to wrap it up on the offense the only other thing you know talking about play calling that really stuck out to me that I wanted to talk about I think is the one that everyone's kind of been talking about the play before half you got a field goal in your back pocket you want to take a shot to the end zone and then you know kick the field goal which is fine I don't disagree with that what I do disagree with is why would we take that shot and throw a fade route to the fourth least likely option to catch it out of our top four receivers not that he doesn't have good hands but Texas Tech's corners were six foot two and six foot three. We have two six foot three receivers and a six foot to six foot one slot receiver, and then we have a five nine five ten slot receiver. So why did we throw that that play and design that play to throw it up to the five nine five ten receiver versus the six two six foot three Texas Tech corner? I don't know. That's just one one of the play calls that stuck out to me that I didn't agree with. Um, I think a little bit questionable there. Uh, maybe a questionable decision by JT with ball placement as well, or to even throw it if he was covered up. I don't know. Maybe he thought he could get another interference call, set him up near the goal line, take another shot, and then have a chance to kick the field goal. But with three in your back pocket, it just wasn't a wasn't a good thing all around. So to wrap it up for the offense, only produced seven points. That hurts. Just a struggling day all around. And hopefully they get they're gonna have to get back on track if the Mountaineers uh, want a chance to be successful moving forward. Flipping it over to the other side defensively, uh, the Mountaineers, you know, it's kind of more of the same. And 
that's really hard to deal with when you've got a struggle on defense already and now injuries are piling up as well. You know, you didn't have Andrew Wilson Lamp for the first half. You thought you had Charles Woods back. He gets banged up after 17 snaps, so you don't have him. Um, Wesley McCormick didn't wasn't there, so you're playing, you know, Malachi Ruffin. You're playing Jacoby Spells, a true freshman. You know, Malachi Ruffin, a former walk-on. You got Mumu, a, a true freshman. You got a JUCO transfer and uh, Jalen Shelton that hasn't even touched the field yet this season. You know, trying to get him a couple snaps. You're having to get Caleb Coleman a couple snaps at corner, and it's really a recipe for disaster when you already have a secondary that's been, you know, abysmal really throughout the season without those injuries. And now you've got those injuries part piling up. So they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. But having said that, there's definitely things they could do that could help themselves defensively. I'm sure you've seen the screenshots going around of Texas Tech lining up in these stacked formations and they'll have three receivers in a stack. West Virginia not only playing, you know, off that stack, but they'll have two guys to cover three. Or they'll have four guys in a stack and West Virginia will have two or three guys to cover four. I mean, I'm not I'm not a football savant or anything, but, you know, basic math is basic math. And I think that that's on the players, you know, making the same mistakes, still not lining up, still not knowing where they're supposed to be. And you're in game seven of the season. That's a that's a huge issue right there. And, you know, West Virginia, the one thing defensively I also thought they could do to help themselves that I was so surprised that they didn't, right, is you knew Texas Tech was going to go for – every fourth down almost, and they did, and they were six for six in the first half up until West Virginia finally got a stop on one of them. And, what I mean, they would run it, and they were going to run tempo super fast, and you knew that. So if they're running this tempo super fast, they complete a third down pass to get it to a fourth and two, fourth and three. You know they're coming really quick, and they're going to try and snap it fast and get those two, three yards before you're even set. So maybe if they, after they've done it, you know, maybe if after they're, I don't know, if after they're two for two, after they're three for three, after a four for four doing this, after that third down completion, West Virginia had timeouts. They took timeouts into the half. Why not take a timeout after that third down completion? At least slow it down and set up something for the fourth down play and give yourself a chance. So I don't know. That's one thing on defense that stuck out to me that I didn't understand why they didn't do that when Texas Tech was converting these fourth and shorts with this hurry up tempo over and over again. And, you know, most of the time it was either just quick hit screens where West Virginia didn't have enough guys out there. Texas Tech would line up in a stack, two guys, one West Virginia corner recovering them. He blocks the guy, the guy gets the two yards, first down. Or, you know, quick inside handoff, West Virginia's not ready, and they get it. So, I don't know, that stuck out to me as far as Texas Tech converting the fourth downs. But it's very aggressive Texas Tech offense. I love their game plan, love the way they play. Super fast, you know, one of the fastest tempos I think I've ever seen. It's almost – it's nuts to watch. But, you know, what else it is? It's really fun to watch, especially, you know, they go for fourth downs even in their own end and stuff. So, I like that. Um, they ended up with 594 yards of total offense. And, listen, they really took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. They could have had more, if we're being honest. 355 yards passing, 239 yards rushing, 9 for 20 on third down, and 6 for 7 on fourth down. 33 first downs they picked up in the football game. Uh, Baron Morton, the true freshman uh, quarterback for Texas Tech, uh, really did some good things. Uh, 325-yard passing, two touchdowns while he was in there. And then running the football, you know, Texas Tech has hurt West Virginia run the football in the Neil Brown era, and that continued again. 17 carries, 107 yards, and two touchdowns for Taj Brooks. And then 59 carries and a touchdown for Shaq. I mean, Shaq Thompson. So, Roderick Thompson, Shaq Thompson, linebacker for the Panthers. I'm still uh, stuck on some NFL stuff from yesterday, I guess, you know, what? Uh, after listening to the Panthers game. But I digress on that. Defensively for the Mountaineers, 
Uh, Aubrey Burks, 10 total tackles, tied for the lead in the team with Davis Mellinger, and I thought Aubrey Burks was the one standout performance for the Mountaineers defensively. Also had two TFLs, uh, a sack, and then, of course, the should have been interception it results in a pass deflection. Really like the way he's starting to play for the Mountaineers. I think they've got a good one there. At free safety is one positive you can say about the West Virginia defense uh, for sure in this one. But beyond that, there's just not too much to say. The one most negative thing that continues to be the most negative and disappointing thing for me for this defense is not the fact that they're getting beat, not the fact that receivers are open. You've almost come to expect that. It's the tackling. The poor tackling is what gets me. I mean, it's been all season. I think we got to be one of the worst tackling teams in the country. I don't know the numbers statistically, but it's got to be just from what I've seen from the naked eye. I don't see how it couldn't be. I mean, specifically the play that stands out to me is late in this game, uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, I believe it was, or I think it was Sir Roderick Thompson on his touchdown run, stiff-armed like four Mountaineers in a row. And it was just, it was, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's ugly to watch. And the Mountaineers continue to go for arm tackles. Their pad level's not down. You know, they've talked about that. And it's, the same little fundamental mistakes they've been making all season is still continuing. You know, we saw it against Pitt, and we're still seeing it in Game 7. So I guess we're going to continue to see it unless they decide to, you know, play some of these young guys, which they are threatening to do so, and I don't blame them if they do. But I think, to me, the main thing is maybe you don't have the pieces. Maybe you're going to get beat. Maybe you're going to give up yards. But I just want to see a little want to, a little effort more so than what we've been seeing from the defense outside of a few people here and there, you know, the Dante Stills, the Jordan Jeffersons, um, Aubrey Burks, like I mentioned, you know, Lee Cobra has been around the around the play and stuff, but the linebacking core is really struggling in general for sure. They've been bad for West Virginia. They bite on every play action fake. They get sucked in. You know, they're not good at getting off blocks. You know, I can go on about that. The back half of the defense for West Virginia has been bad. The defensive line has been good, though, so that's the bright spot. But moving forward, I just want to see a little bit more want to focus on your fundamentals and just put the effort forward at least. You know, no arm tackles, at least, you know, if you a guy makes a catch, just get him down. You know, let's let's you know, we got five games left of the season. Let's our defense may not look the best overall, but let's at least look like we want to be out there and like we're giving a little bit of effort because in this game it didn't look that way at all across the board for the most part for the Mountaineers on defense. So really, you know, tough performance for the Mountaineers defense. Texas Tech scores 48, and the Mountaineer defense really just now, I don't. Know, I don't want to say never showed up because they did do a good job in the second quarter keeping it at that you know two score margin to give the West Virginia offense a chance. But West Virginia offense didn't do them any favors, and you know eventually you're going to wear down. And then Texas Tech just ran it up in the second half. So I really don't know what to do or say about this defense. You know, moving forward as far as improvement, what the Mountaineers could do, just kind of is what it is right now. I guess as far as uh, this West Virginia defense, like I said, the pieces aren't really changing. The only thing you can hope for is to get a little bit more Charles Woods involved moving forward in these final five games. But I don't know. We're going to have to have the offense play like they did for the first six games of the season for the Mountaineers to have a chance because this defense is really struggling and they're going to face their toughest task yet. Top 10 team, undefeated TCU coming into the country. I mean, coming into uh, Morgantown for homecoming with one of the best offenses in the country. So. We'll see what happens there. But in this one, the Mountaineers struggle on defense. Uh, last thing to talk about, of course, special teams. And really, I guess it's the, it had the best performance out of the three if you're talking offense, defense, special teams for the Mountaineers in this game against Texas Tech. But it's not saying much. They didn't really do anything game-changing. Casey Legg was Casey Legg again, knocked through his extra point, hit his field goal attempt, remains perfect on the season. 
Oliver Strahl's punts were were all good. Punt coverage was good. You know, they didn't really do anything to lose the game, but they didn't do anything to win the game either. So, I mean, they did their job, I guess. You know, you can say that about special teams. And when your special teams is the best unit of the day and they're not making any, you know, big plays, any game-changing performances, that's not where you want to be. You know, if your special teams is the best unit of the day and you got a couple punt blocks or, you know, kick return touchdown or something like that, then that's good. But in this game, West Virginia's special teams was their best unit and they didn't really even do anything special. So that just kind of sums up the performance in general right there, I guess, uh, for the Mountaineers. But like I said, not going to get into play of the game of this one, not going to get into player of the game for this one either. Uh, you know, if I had to do play of the game, I think that interception that I've mentioned a couple times that Aubrey Barks could have had on the Texas Tech's first drive may have changed this game a little bit, but who knows? Maybe not. Just the way it ended up going, maybe West Virginia was destined to lose this one from the beginning, but they have five more chances left to get a win on this season. Like I said, starting with TCU next week, we'll be here to cover it moving forward on the Country Roads webcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in here to season five, episode 143 of the CRW pod, our Texas Tech review and reaction edition. If you're listening on the audio side, like I said, be sure and hop over to the YouTube side for some exclusive things. We'll have the PFF grades out this week. Um, some other, you know, YouTube exclusive things always popping up there as well. A lot of video coverage on the Mountaineers to go along with, you know, these long form audio episodes, a podcast episode you hear on the audio side. So definitely hop over to there. Got that coming uh, beyond that basketball season right around the corner. I believe they've got a scrimmage actually, you know, the day that I'm recording this, uh, They'll have a scrimmage, I do believe. So uh, that's coming right around the corner. So be on the lookout for the CRW Hoops pod uh, starting up real soon with a season preview. Steven will be hosting that. Uh, Ryder Deem going to be on there. I'm going to try and make an appearance when I can as well. So we'll have that coming here on the podcast side as well. Uh, Beyond that, be on the lookout for Season 5, Episode 144, our TCU preview and predictions coming this week, usually midweek. Try and release that on Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that as well from us here at the Country Roads webcast. That said, really appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you do on the video side or on the audio side. If you're on the video side here on the Country Roads webcast YouTube or on the WV Sports Now YouTube, as we are a part of the WV Sports Now network over there on the Sports Now family of networks, really appreciative of those guys. But whether you're tuning in here or there, do us a favor before you head out, hit that like button, give us that thumbs up. It'll help this video's performance and help future videos performance on the channels. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer football content. Content. Out to Mountaineer Nation. And if you're tuning in on the Country Roads webcast uh, channel, as always, link to our merch store in the video description. Get you a Country Roads webcast hat, sticker, coffee mug. You name it, you can find it with a CRW logo. And that's one of the best ways to support us as we continue to try and grow the Country Roads webcast community throughout Mountaineer Nation. And like I said, appreciate you tuning in on the audio side as well. If you're listening to the audio-only version there on any podcast platform you can find. And if you're on on Apple Podcasts there, leave us a rating. That'll really help us uh, moving forward. Having said that, that will pretty much wrap us up here for this one, the Texas Tech Review and Reaction. Hoping for better days moving forward for the Mountaineers. That's all we can do at this point. And let's cheer them on for the final five games of the season and let the chips fall where they may. And we'll be here to talk about it all along the way. That being said, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, Let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those.